You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. With that, hey, would you welcome Tara Brown, who's pastor of Family Ministries, to deliver the word today? Thanks, Andy. All right. Yeah, my name is Tara Brown. For those of you guys who don't know me, am I loud? Is this loud? I'm just a loud person, you guys. So I got to be careful. Some people are like, you don't even need a mic. Why do you even have a mic? Uh, well, good morning. I'm so excited to be here. Um, for those you don't know, I, yeah, I get to do the family ministry here. I get to help work with the kids and the youth, and it's so fun. Um, I'm just going to do a little plug. If you want to work with youth or children, or you just want to know more, please come and talk to me. Talk to me at Linger Longer. Reach out. I'd love to just share like what our heart is, um, why we do what we do, and kind of what our vision is. Um, A lot of people are actually surprised when I talk about how I really, truly believe that children and youth can be disciples of Jesus. Like, really? Like, you really think that? Um, And I think for me, a lot of that stems from my own upbringing and my own experience of Jesus. And so um, today, I thought we'd go on a little journey to start off with. You're in for a treat. Yes. We're doing some pictures, people. So this is my family. Do you like my side pony? It's awesome. Mom, you're so excited to see a picture of yourself up here. Yes, we have lots of delightful treats in there. There's our really sassy chihuahua named Candy. Um, But this is my family. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up always knowing about Jesus. We prayed together. We talked together. We were in a church that when things happened, like we prayed for one another. I remember driving in the car every day. We lived 30 minutes away from school. So whenever we drove, we prayed together as a family. And like, for better or for worse, for my siblings, I don't know how they felt about it, but I was like, this is cool. Like, we get to pray to God. Like, I don't have to wait. Like, this is cool that I can do this now. And that's just kind of what we grew up in, is like believing in God, believing that we could talk to him. Um, and we were part of a church that really believed in the movement of the spirit, that God was moving, that his spirit was still active, that there was these spiritual gifts that people still had. And so people would, like when you were sick, we laid hands on you and we prayed for healing and we got to see miracles happen. Um, when people were sick or in trouble, like we prayed about it. Like that was the go-to, right? Um, and so for us, for me, it was always this idea of like, God is very tangible. It wasn't, he wasn't this abstract God. It was tangible. And so I want to kind of pinpoint some key moments for me of experiencing God. So here's a lovely picture of me. This is me in fifth grade. I do not know why, but my parents allowed me to get a perm that I really wanted, and it was horrible. It was like a poodle hair. This is tame. But this is me in fifth grade. I was extremely insecure as a kid. A lot of people don't know that, but I was, like, really outgoing. I loved doing theater, but I was so insecure. Like, I, like, crawled in my own skin. If people made comments or teased me, it's like I put it on, like, a jacket. Like, I wore it. I kept it with me. Um, But I remember in fifth grade specifically really struggling, especially with like body image and just like who I was. And then in fifth grade, I remember just having this moment, um, uh, just sitting on my bed and like calling out to God and just having this moment of experiencing God's presence in my life as a fifth grader, squirrely, crazy, still running around and jumping on the playground, but having this experience with God where God was with me. And I just remember feeling this sense of God being like, I love you. 
like, I love you. And feeling like physical arms, like just kind of this warmth. And I just remember crying. And the next day being at school, being like, I like hung out with God yesterday. Like that was cool. Like literally it did something in me, right? Now this is a picture of me in sixth grade. This one, like this is like a bodysuit or something. I don't even know what's happening. Um, but sixth grade year was like my rebellious year. Which my mom, she may go, really? I don't know. But for me, in my mind, looking back, I was trying to fit in so bad. Like, so bad that I was willing to try anything. And, I, and I'm not really anything, but in my mind, anything. Like, I tried to swear. <laughs> and you guys, I was so bad at it. Like, I really tried so hard. I was like the awkward kid who would say it and be like, oh gosh, I don't think I did it right. Like inside, right? And I was like trying so hard to fit in. Like, I really, really wanted to be liked. And I really, really, really wanted to be known. And I really, really wanted to be loved in this weird way that I was trying anything. But I remember at the end of the year walking on campus and I said something in like, like cheesy, like middle school, like sass, like, oh my God. Like something weird, and I had this gut check. And I, like, clear as day, God said, Okay, who do you want to serve, Tara? Do you want to serve them or do you want to serve me? Like, it wasn't this audible boom thing, it was just I, I knew God was speaking to me and talking with me. And so I had to make this decision. I was like, okay, God, yeah, like I want to follow you. I just realized I'd been trying to please everyone and it was me serving others, right? So I had this little spectacular moment in sixth grade. So put a pin in that one too. Now I got to be a part of a youth group. I got to grow and learn about Jesus and grow and learn like how do you serve and like figuring out your gifts. I loved theater and we had like a drama program. We had all this stuff. And then we had all these trips. This is Snowblast. Yeah, it was a great name. Every winter we went on snow bus. These are some of my friends. We'd like go up to the snow and we'd always try to get cute sweaters and like try to be like dressed to impress, which that's impressive in case you didn't know. But like we would go on these trips and it would be fun and exciting. But we also have these like lodge times where a person would come and speak. Now remember, I grew up in a church that really believed in the movement of the spirit. Um, and in this church, we talked a lot about God's spirit coming and and physically, you could experience him. So literally in our church, they would teach us about this thing called speaking in tongues, where uh, God's spirit could come on. You actually see that phrase, speaking in tongues, throughout the New Testament, and you kind of go, what is that, right? But we talked about it, that God could fill you and come upon you, and all of a sudden, you would speak in, like I call it like an alien-like language. It doesn't sound normal. Like, it sounds weird. It doesn't sound like French. It doesn't sound like, a, you know, German or another language you would recognize. It just sounds like mumbling, right? People would talk about about, but it would be this language that your spirit is so connected to God that it's literally like his spirit within you crying out to God. Like you don't even know the words, right? That's how people, that's how I would describe it. And people, they would talk about people being slain in the spirit, like as if a wind knocked them over. Now, if you're sitting here going, this is weird. What is she talking about? I am with you because growing up, I saw people in TV shows like on TV, right? With the guy walking over to someone and yelling something and mumbling really loud. And I was like, he's punching them because right. And then all of a sudden this person falls over. And I thought this is just silliness. Like this is dramatics. They're faking this, right? This is weird. Like, what is this? Is this Christianity? Like, this is weird. Like I thought it was so weird, but here I am at Snowblast, and this guest speaker comes in. And I don't even remember what they said, which is so encouraging to me as a speaker and talking, right? I don't even remember what the speaker talked about. But I just remember there was a point where he said, if you want to respond, stand up. And I stood up. 
And I just remember inside feeling like, God, I submit to you. Like I submit my life. I submit this thing that I don't remember what I submitted, but I submit to you. But what I remember is this, that I felt some sort of wind something knocked me flat on my back. And I began to cry. And I began to recognize that that same experience I had in fifth grade was happening now. That God's presence was with me now. It's weird. I don't understand it. It sounds strange. But I was like, dude, God was with me in a weird way. And I don't get it. But that was God. Now, fast forward another trip. We went on missions trips. This is the weirdest picture I don't really know what's happening, but there's me in the center. I don't know why I make this face, but apparently when I laugh and I'm excited, I am scary and creepy. Um, But we went on these mission trips as a youth group every year, learning about how to serve and all of these different things, right? Well, again, on a missions trip, we were working with kids, which I thought was so fun, um, doing different things, doing really horrible dramas. I don't know why we used to do horrible dramas on missions trips back then. Like I found pictures and I was like, you're not getting to see those. If you want to see them, you can come over to my house and I'll show you them. Um, But like we would do these trips, right? But I remember this one specific event where we gathered together in a room, my friends, just a bunch of girls. And we decided, I don't even know, just to seek God. And we sat and we talked. And then we just said, let's just pray. So we began to pray and we began to call out to God all together. And in that room, all I can describe it as we began to speak in tongues. We began to weird, say weird like things. It wasn't like we were demon possessed. That's what people think sometimes. It was like we were just submitting to God and his spirit was speaking through us. And we were calling out to God and it sounded weird and it sounded strange, but I can't explain it other than it was God filling our mouths, filling our hearts. And we were connecting with God in this weird way. Now I can describe all of these different experiences I've had with God and they sound strange and they sound weird, but these big spectacular moments, even in college, I remember being an intern and running out of money at the end of the year because they don't really give you money, right? You do it for free. You're doing this job to like learn. And at the end of the summer going, God, I have no money left. I have to go back to college. What do I do? And realizing, okay, I need 500 bucks to be able to pay all my bills. What do I do? And I just prayed, God, I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to get it, whatever. And the church handing me a card at the end of the summer saying, hey, we just wanted to thank you for being here. And it was $500. What is that? I have never asked for an amount ever. I never have since, but I was like, that's God showing up in this spectacular way, right? So for me, looking back at these experiences, I've experienced God in these really tangible ways, these spectacular moments in my life that has helped to shape how I understand God and see God, right? And I say all this not to be like, I've experienced God in these really weird ways, (laughs) stay away from me, or wow, like you're really like, this is impressive. It's not impressive. God's the one that's impressive. But I say this because we're in this series where we're talking about experiencing these dark nights of our souls, where all of a sudden God, we feel like is not here. He's not showing up. We're experiencing something where we feel at our wits end. We're, we're just done. And we're calling out to God to show up and he doesn't. Because here's the problem for me is I've experienced God in these tangible ways so that when I've experienced these moments where God's not showing up in these big ways, I'm like, where are you? I remember all these moments in my life that you've been here. Where are you now? 
For me, I've had these moments early on in our marriage. I love my husband. I love my kids. But when we fought, I was like, what's happening? What is, this is not okay. What is this conflict? What's going on? How do I deal with this? God, fix this. Show up. Chad shared some of his own dysfunctions back in during Advent, right? So you've heard a little bit of it. That coupled with my insecurity, it was not a pretty picture. And we had to, and I remember struggling, like, God, help me with this. Like, help, help solve this. Help me, God. I feel alone. I don't know how to do this. What do I do? Honestly, one of my biggest challenges for me, my dark nights, the points where I felt so like I can't do it is being a parent. I was like, I love kids so much. I work so good with kids. Like, I'm going to be awesome. Like, I'm going to be such a good mom. It's going to be like, oh, man, she's a rock star mom. Like, that's how I felt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it has been so hard. I love my kids, but man, God has used them to break that for sure. Struggling with learning disabilities like dyslexia and dysgraphia. I don't know how to teach kids how to read. I remember sitting with London going, cat, cat, it's cat, it's cat. (laughs) Like, I can't do this. I remember like going to school and trying to work with teachers and being like, he's not a bad kid. He just needs more assistance and feeling like I'm fighting to get assistance. I remember, I know I see the look. You're like, "Mm mm-hmm, I feel that, right? Like pleading, seeing that like some of my kids struggling with mental health, seeing my kids struggle with these learning issues, sensory issues. I didn't know that was a thing. And seeing how those issues and my issues of insecurity and Chad's things and all of this and how it created a dynamic where we were struggling and we are struggling. It's not gone. (laughs) And like being at the point, literally on my sabbatical this past summer, I was, remember we fought, we had this horrible time in Nashville and I was in my friend's bedroom. Like everyone was downstairs, everyone we fought. So there was this horrible day. Everyone went to the rooms and I remember crying out to God, I don't want to do it anymore. I love my kids. I love my family. God, I don't want to do it anymore. This is hard. I don't feel equipped. I am struggling. This sucks. (laughs) But I love them. But I don't know what to do. This is too hard. God, take this problem. Would you help fix this? Would you take away this? Where is my big, like, parting of the sea? Where is the big, like, manna coming down and, like, giving me the nourishment, God? Like, send this. Send that. Where are you? As if God is holding out on me, right? You see, for me, my issue is the spectacular moments of God are amazing and great. But for me, when I come to these moments that are hard, when I don't feel like God is there, when he feels absent, oh, that's, it feels worse. Like, right, it just is hard. It feels like God is absent because these spectacular moments, they're not there. Do you guys feel me? Have you had these moments where you're at your wit's end, where you're struggling and things are hard? It could be a relationship. It could be the lack of a relationship. It could be with your kids. It could be with your roommates. It could be with a job or the lack of a job. It could, there's so many things where we just get done. We're like, God, where are you? Where are you? We're in this series. And last week, Andy, he shared these three questions. Um, it's from Phil Yancey's book, Disappointment with God. And <clears throat> I, have, I have them up here for us. A lot of times when we're really done... <laughs> We ask these kinds of questions. Is God unfair? <clears throat> right? God, maybe maybe I, I screwed up, right? You're just not helping me, right? 
God, are you here? Are, are you just unfair? Maybe God's against me. It's not just life. Maybe God is actually against me. Or is God silent? You've seen God in the Bible, these big moments. Or maybe God is answering the prayers of others. Or you hear other people talking about God speaking to them, but he's not to you. Is God silent for me? Maybe it's just me. Maybe is God hidden? This idea of like God in the Bible, he's, he's doing all this work, but maybe he's no longer working. Or maybe I don't matter to God because he's not showing up. Maybe he seems interested in showing up for others, but not for me, not for you. You see, when we are spent, it's easy to feel God is absent and holding out on us because he isn't showing up in the spectacular way that we think he should that we think he should, that we're used to, that we expect that we've seen. But here's the thing, there's good news. We've got a story about that. So today we're going to be talking about God showing up with Elijah, but showing up in a different way, a way that's actually, I think, better and helpful for us today. We're doing this whole series called I Can't Even, our can't even moments, like I can't even, I'm so upset, I'm so whatever, I can't. I just, I can't even. We've all done that a lot this year, right? Like, I can't, I can't even. I think it's a perfect way of describing this. I can't even. Um, and we're exploring how God tenderly met this burned out prophet, Elijah, to meet him, love him, and renew him. Um, and as Andy has shared over the past few weeks, we see Elijah, this appointed prophet of God, who he gets burned out, <laughs> right? But we got to see that he... God used him to go and confront Ahab and his queen, right? Who are leading the people to worship this fake God Baal, right? And it's this really cool thing. The kids love this story in kids' community because it's so tangible, right? Where all these other prophets, you know, Elijah says, okay, let's go and we're gonna do a test. You call out to your God and light up your altar. And if it doesn't happen, your God's fake. I'm gonna do that and we'll just see whose God's real, right? So these hundreds of prophets, which I think is fascinating, hundreds of prophets go out, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're singing, they even cut themselves. It's really disgusting. Call out to God, nothing happens. And Elijah drenches drenches with water, his altar calls out to God. And it doesn't make any sense. It's completely soaked with water. And yet God sends whoosh, and burns the whole thing up. Ooh, and Jezebel's mad. She is so furious. Like, how dare you, right? That she goes after him and she's like, I'm going to get you. You're going to suffer. You're going to pay, right? Because you've shamed me and my God. But now Elijah, he runs and he's afraid. But last week, as Andy said, God meets him in this beautiful space of like feeding his humanity, literally feeding him food, being gracious and loving and meeting with him. And now they're going to talk. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. Um, before we get into it, can we just pray together and just ask God just to like move us and be with us? God, I just thank you for who you are. And I thank you for this story. And I pray that you would be with us as we enter into it. Would you soften our hearts and help us to be transformed by your word and who you are, God. In your name, amen. All right, so let's read. We're going to read the whole story together. It's not a ton of verses. And then we're going to go back through each verse and kind of just go like, okay, what's going on here? What do we learn from this? So let's start here. It says in verse 9, uh, we're going to jump down here. He went to the cave and he spent the night. And then the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So we're going to start with this first verse. Elijah goes to this mountaintop, which Andy talked about last week is the mountain, the cave, right? The cave, which is probably Mount Sinai, right? He knows God, this is the place to go to meet with God. So, which I think is really helpful to know, like he's not just fleeing and running away. He's going to God, seeking God. And when he gets there, God says to him, hey, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I'm not a therapist, and the therapist, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but this sounds like a therapist kind of question. Like, so tell me, what has brought you in today? Why are you here? Tell me, what would you like to talk about, right? It's such, it's like God is actually giving Elijah this space. What's going on? What's happening? What are you feeling? I think it's a really cool thing that God is giving him this safe space to just let it all out. Like, why are you here? God's diving in, asking him, what's going on? He wants to give him the space to expose what's going on inside of your heart. Why are you here? Why are you afraid? What's going on? When we read in verse 10, let's go there. He's, God replies, or Elijah replies and says, whew, It's like word vomit out, right? He says, I have been zealous for the Lord, very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah is clearly upset. He's very upset, and he's just lashing out, crying out to God like... Where are you? Do you not see what's going down? These Israelites, they have rejected you. They are not doing the thing. Where are you? Notice these three questions, right? He's doing the three questions. Like, are you unfair? Are you going to bring justice? Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? I just saw you do this spectacular thing at the altar and bring fire down. I saw you do the spectacular. Where are you now? Right? He's calling out these fears and these longings. He's upset. Deeply burdened, crying out to God. But it's more than just like, I'm upset. It's this disillusioned with God. I have this little definition here. Having lost faith. Disillusion is having lost faith or trust in someone or something formally regarded as good or valued, valuable. He's disillusioned by God. He's lost trust and faith in God. God had been doing all of these things before, but now, God, where are you? Why are you not showing up? Are you not going to save me? Are you not going to spare me from this pain? Why are you not intervening right now? Why are you, where are you? 
All of the questions that we often have, right? God, where are you? Why are you not fixing this? Why do I have to be afraid? Why does, why does this queen have to come after me? Where are you? Do you not see all the things that are going on? He's clearly calling out to God. He was used to the spectacular. And now he's sitting here afraid, upset. But it's so interesting that God is just here, allowing him to just say all this, allowing him. And what I think is such a beautiful picture is in this dark night of Elijah's life, he sought out God. He's calling out to God. And God used this moment by asking him this question, what are you doing here? To help reveal to him his own feelings, to reveal to him his thinking about God, himself, and really others. God is using this moment to graciously reveal, as we're going to find out, to reveal something also about God. God didn't waste this moment. That's what I think is interesting. We hate these moments. We don't want to feel this. We don't want to have to go to these dark places. But God doesn't waste anything. And he used this moment to draw Elijah deeper into conversation with him and to do something. And this is where I love that we get to go with this. Let's go into verse um, 11 here. Right here, it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, I want to make sure we note that God doesn't condemn him. He doesn't make this comment, right? Like, oh, Elijah, like that's what I would do, right? Thank God I'm not God. We say this all the time in my house, right? Thank God none of us are God, right? Because I'd be like, oh, well, you know what I mean? God doesn't make this comment about how he justified himself or condemn him, right? He just allows him to have this space to say it like it is, to be honest, to be open. He affirms this. You can trust me with your distrust, with your doubt, with your questions. But then what happens next, right? He's offering him this space, like, I'm going to teach you now, but graciously. And as we read on, it says this. It says, then... A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I love this picture that God did at this mountaintop. He used all of these elements, this fire, this wind, this earthquake, these things that Elijah would have recognized as God's presence. I want you to think about it. I know the little images are a little cheesy, but just bear with me. But the fire, think about it at the burning bush with Moses, right? God's presence came as fire. So Elijah would have expected, oh, look, there's God, that fire, right? The burning bush. Or when the people of God are being walked out of Egypt, right? Being sent out from slavery, being freed. What led them out? This pillar of smoke, this pillar of fire through the wilderness brought them to Mount Sinai, right? And where was God's presence? This fire, this smoke. And it even talks about this earthquake that happened. When God's presence came into the temple, what was that? This fire, right? 
We even see throughout the Bible this idea of God's presence being in the wind. It's coming, it's blowing all throughout the Psalms. If you go and look at this different imagery, God was supposed to come in this fire, this wind, this earthquake, these big spectacular moments. That's what Elijah expected. This big thing, right? God, you're gonna show up and be God. You're gonna do the miraculous. But God wasn't in those. You see, it's interesting because He was trying to teach something that God did not always operate in the spectacular. (laughs) That he didn't always operate in this way that he expected. In other words, he was teaching Elijah that the lack of the spectacular is not the absence of God's presence. I want you to hear that part. The lack of the spectacular is not the absence of God's presence. Elijah's can't even moment is revealed this disillusions that he has of God, but he sought God out. He went to the cave and he trusted where God, that God would be there. And he brought all these questions to him. And what is so cool is that God brought him to the space to like help probe at what's going on in there to help kind of expose these feelings that you have that maybe are wrong about yourself, that are wrong about God. It's this really beautiful moment that God used to really unearth some of these things that he went on in his life. But it also revealed something really beautiful about who God is. Because then we get to see in this next verse that after the fire came a gentle whisper. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He put his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah knew that that whisper was God's voice. He wasn't in this spectacular huge thing. He was in this simple, personal, quiet, hushed voice. The lack of the spectacular wasn't the lack of God's presence. God was just showing up in this new and beautiful way. And I find it especially crazy that he knew it, right? That he knew it was God's voice. He knew it and he trusted it. And here's what I think God wants us to know is that the spectacular thing about God is that he meets us where we are at. Do you get that? That God actually meets us where we are at. The spectacular thing about God, it's cool that God can do all these miraculous things in the world, that he can show up. But when God's not doing that, that's not a sign that he's not present with us. You see, God meets us where we're at by being a safe place to vent. We can freely go and call out to God and just lay it all out there and just say, I'm done, I'm spent, God, where are you? And just be honest and vulnerable. Say it like it is. We don't have to be afraid that our doubt or any of this stuff is going to be like that God's going to be mad at us for it. We can just say it like it is. He is safe to do that. Remember, he comes. He loves us. He's here to save us, not to condemn us. So we can open and freely just vent. But he's also meets us where we're at by guiding us into self-reflection. Oh, asking those like probing questions of like, where are you? Why are you here? What do you want to talk about today? (laughs) He asks those questions to help us to dig deeper into what's going on underneath. What's happening? What's going on in your life? And will guide us into reflecting on those things to help us to see maybe those things that we believe about God or ourselves or others that are not true. 
but he also meets us where we're at by using all sorts of ways to meet us. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but he uses all sorts of ways to meet with us. He meets us in the spectacular. He does certain things that are like, this is, this is crazy, like these big things. But how cool is it that God will meet you personally? Every single one of us in this room could sit here quietly praying and God speaks to us. He can in our own personal way. It's a phenomenal to know how God created all of us so unique and different with personality types. Some of us are extroverts, introverts. Some of us are a little bit in between depending on where we're at in the day, right? But we're also unique in the things that we like and the way that we encounter God. It's a cool thing that God meets us where we're at, wherever we are, in different ways, in these spectacular moments, showing up and doing these miracles. But it's also a miracle that God shows up and speaks to us. That he loves us so much that he talks to us. The truth is, is that God is with you, even in the messy, the hard, all the stuff going on. And the lack of the spectacular is not the absence of God's presence because that is not all that God is. It's not all that God is. He's in the conflict. He's in the everyday dirty dishes. He's in our to-do lists. He's in the decisions we face the disruptions at work, the conflict with our spouses or friends or roommates, the challenges with our kids, the uneasiness within our community, even the war, the stuff we can call out to God. He is still at work. When we see the story of the Bible, we see God's handiwork at work, moving. But the thing is, is we're all going to experience these really dark nights where our soul is just hurting and we feel disillusioned by God because it just doesn't feel like he's showing up. It feels like he's not with us. And, but because the spectacular thing about God is that he meets us where we're at, that he finds all these ways to be with us, to speak with us and connect with you, to connect with you, we can learn from Elijah's story of what we can do to guide us when we face these sort of dark nights of our own. I think one of the first things is, is that we can actually seek God to process our feelings. That's one of those things to seek God out, talk to him. He is a safe space for us to go and say, this is what's going on. We don't have to be nervous or afraid that God's going to be like, Ooh, don't use that word or like you need to say it nicely, right? Some of us, we need to write it out. That's totally cool. Some of us, we need to like march and like pace around our room and just be mad and that's okay. Some of us, you might need to go and walk and just like talk about things in your mind with God, like that whispering things, right? Whatever you need to do, seek God and just tell him what you're feeling, what's going on. The other thing is to reflect on what those feelings expose. When God actually starts asking those little questions like, well, tell me more about that. Why are you feeling that? What's going on there? Why does that keep coming up, right? What's going on? In fact, um, there's an illustration that I think is really helpful. Andy has talked about the book, Emotionally Healthy Church. Have you guys heard about that book? And the author, Peter Scazzaro, I hope I'm saying it right, um, he talks about this idea of this lovely iceberg, right? This top, there's this little surface, what we see on the surface, this small little thing, but below is a lot more happening, right? There's a lot more going on. And I, I want to read a quote that he says. He says, in emotionally healthy churches, we can also say people. People take a deep, hard look inside their hearts, asking, what's going on that Jesus is trying to change? They understand that a person's life is like an iceberg, with the vast majority of who we are laying deep beneath the surface. 
They invite God to bring to their awareness and to transform those beneath the surface layers that hinder them from becoming more like Jesus Christ. We got a lot of things going on in the top. We might just be upset and doing different things. And we need to kind of sit in those feelings with God. And God may help expose some of that, like asking these questions. But we have to do the work of kind of exposing what's going on underneath. And ask God, help us, right? What is happening? I know for myself, when I hate this process, I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. But in my dark nights, when God has sort of tried to help me unearth, why are you so upset with all of these conflicts? One of the things, I'm just afraid, like God isn't there, right? Like that's part of it. Like, God, you're not here. But when I really start to dig underneath, a lot of it is this deep, I'm that same little insecure kid. Like feeling like I'm not enough, feeling like I wish that I was enough. That's a big thing that's underneath of me. And in all honesty, like I can sit here and say like, guess what guys? Like Jesus is enough. Like, you know what? None of us, we don't have it together. None of us are enough. And we're so glad Jesus died on the cross. And like, that's great. But deep in my bones, I'm like, oh, I wish I was enough. I wish I could be enough for my kids. I wish I could do it. I hate that I need God. It sounds so stupid to say, but I hate it. I hate, I hate it because it reminds myself I feel lame. And there's a part of me that thinks that maybe God thinks that I'm lame. Like, man, she's doing it again. She's still going through the same struggle. And in my mind, I have to quiet that and remind myself that's a lie. You're not lame. God doesn't think you're lame. He's not giving up on you. But for me, underneath, that's my iceberg. It's pride. It's insecurity. And we have to do the work. And that's the hard part, right? We have to do the work to actually like get there. And so here's my encouragement too, is if you are struggling with getting in there and thinking about it and processing your feelings, ask for help. Andy has been talking about this whole year, like, hey, we want to set aside money so that if you need to seek out a therapist to help expose your iceberg, right? You can have help. We don't want finances to block you, to block any of us from seeking the help we need. So for the members of this church, remember, that money is still there through May. So if you need help with this, if you're like, oh, I feel stuck, or I'm having a hard time with this, ask for help. Sometimes we need the help to be able to do that. The last thing is this, is listen and watch for God. I think the biggest thing is we have to get used to hearing God's voice and actually noticing his handiwork in the world. God has designed all of us so unique and differently. So I I always tell this because with our kids, sometimes like I remember feeling like a really bad Christian as a kid because I couldn't sit and like pray like this, like quietly. Like I always kind of did this, like, oh, I'm ready to get up, right? Until I started learning like this isn't prayer always, right? Like you can walk and talk. You can go out. You can be outside. Some of us being here, this is where you can meet with God. And this is where you see God. But some of us need to go out and to do other things. But I think we need to talk with God, spend time with him, learn to notice his handiwork, 
Talk about things in community group. In your families, like start a text thread with some of your friends or family of like, hey, let's start talking about how we notice God in the world. Maybe at dinner, like that's the thing you do. Like, hey, today, how did you notice God at work in your life? Like it could be simple as like, oh, I didn't feel as stressful about taking my test or, oh, wow, like this conversation like went a lot better and like God helped me to have wisdom. I mean, it literally could be these simple little things. Remember, because God, this spectacular part of God is he's with us. So I think we just got to get used to like talking about these things and noticing God's handiwork and listening to God and learning to recognize his voice in our life. God may not always be moving in these spectacular ways, but he is with us. He is real and he is mighty. And yes, his spirit can move waters and part them. He he can do these amazing things. He can use you to pray over people and they could be healed. God could fill your mouths with weird alien-like sounds or whatever, right? It sounds weird and trippy, but he could do that and deepen your connection with God. He could do the miraculous. God could be doing all that, but he is also present in these hard things in the quiet whisper. So remember, the lack of the spectacular is not the absence of God's presence because the spectacular thing about God is that he meets us where we're at. So let's continue in our worship. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I just wanted to say one last thing as we're getting ready to worship is, for some of us, this is new. This idea of God and Jesus, and I just may have freaked you out with all this stuff. But I want you to not miss this part, that God loves you so, so much that he literally came and put on human skin and became a person to be with you. That's one of the weirdest things that God did. And it's the most amazing thing that he came to be with us in a weird way by coming and then dying on a cross. So all the messy sin and the things that we do would not be a separation for us and God. So today, if you want to follow him, if you've never chosen to like follow him and you want to know this God and be known by this God today, don't leave without just telling him. It could be a quiet whisper, just like God whispered to Elijah, just say, okay, God, Like, I'm going to, I want to follow you. That's it. But for all of us, I want us just to remember, God is with us. Life stinks sometimes. Life is hard. We're going to go through it. And it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't mean you're not strong enough. It doesn't mean you're lame. It doesn't mean that you're not enough. God is with you and he wants to work in you and through you. And so today, my hope and prayer is that today we just recognize wow, you love me so much that you came to be with me. And let's just start looking for that. Let's just start looking for how God is with us. So let's be a people who seeks God, who's willing to like dig into those feelings. And we just look and watch and let's learn to notice his handiwork in our lives, in the lives of each other. Let's pray together. Oh God, you are so good and you are so loving And it is really, (laughs) it's crazy how you meet us where we're at, God. It is spectacular, God. And I just pray that as we reflect and we worship God, would your presence come and be here? God, would you come and meet us and help us to experience you and to know, to know, to know that you are real and that you are good and that you love us. And if any of us are stuck in that place of feeling like we're lame and that we're not good enough, God, would you dig us out of that? Help us to see where we're thinking wrongly and help us to see the truth of who you are. God, I thank you for today. And would you come and be present as we sing and we reflect in your name? Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org. Thank you.